Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Let me um, thank everyone for all your cards and, and your encouragement and all your gifts. It is uh, like awesome every time, especially just your encouragement. The cards would encourage that we're awesome. Definitely appreciate that. And now that we're in 2016, which is like mind-boggling, because I feel like just a couple of weeks ago we were in summer. We actually were, but I mean actual summer. Um, hard to believe we're in 2016, but lots of people facing lots of different things in 2016 that maybe they hadn't faced before. Uh, a lot of um, children getting married, which means they're no longer children. I know Valerie has to getting married, and she's not even smiling. She's just still full. Okay, uh, but also um, we have some children that are, uh, again, not children, that in 2016, when they graduate, they're going off to college, which is like, yeah, time that now, going off to college. Uh, there's that, like, oh, they're leaving, and it's like, oh, he's got to leave it, all in one. Uh, but that's also going to be new. There's also people who, have, like, some people started new jobs, even if you started at the end of last year, and now you're focusing on it. This will be your first full year in 2016, getting a handle on it. Uh, lots of people doing new things, and it makes sense. It makes sense if you have, like, all these new things going on. Like, people. Some people grandchildren. Oh, yeah, that's right. Who's getting grandchildren? Okay, that's right, that's right. New additions to the family. That's right. Speaking of which, I almost forgot because Christine and I have a new addition to the family as well. Uh, yeah, his name is Crypto. I should call him Crypto the Fourth because that's his fourth name. But uh, his name is Crypto. And again, such a joy, but wow, a lot of work too. Um, for all you puppy lovers who know, yeah, it's a lot of work getting into puppies, but he's just like awesome beautiful, great addition to the family. But again, with all these changes going on and people who have like all these new things that are coming in the year, it makes sense why at the beginning of the year, a lot of people start making lists of here's you know my New Year's resolutions. Here's the things I'm going to do differently. Here's the things I'm going to stop doing. Here's the things that I'm going to try to do because you got all this new stuff going into a new year. That's like changing your family, changing your workplace. There are some people who used to be like caretakers in their home, and now they're not. Some people that used to be working, and now, in, you know, 2016, are going to retire. Like Gary's thinking of retiring in 2016. Yeah, in a couple of months. And we're going to be praying a lot more for Karen, because he'll be home more often. But all of that stuff makes you wonder. Now, this is, this is, this, this is strictly from a Christian perspective. What if instead of making a list of like all the things that we want to do differently, all these New Year's resolutions, I want to quit this or I want to stop that or I want to do this differently. What if instead of focusing on that every single year, a new list of new things I want to change, uh, we as Christ followers said, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to focus on the biblical principles that God has for us in his word and just say, how can I do this better? How can I do this more? How can I be more prevalent in my work and serving of God and whatever God has for me? Right now, uh, here's the thing. Um, I want to share with you a, a, a couple of things. 
And none of these are groundbreaking. None of these are, are, are like amazing. None of these you're going to be like, wow, I've never heard that before. But in addition to just sharing them, uh, we're going we're gonna to practice some of them. Uh, we're going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to make some commitments, which may be a little bit hard for some of you. Because you're some people, not saying you guys, some people used to showing up on Sunday, they hear the thing and they think that's good and it lasts probably till they get home. And then the week grabs them and work grabs them and the puppy grabs them, whatever it is. And then you're out of that phase and you're back into whatever else. So I'm going to ask us to make some commitments uh, into what we're doing. And these, these are, um, now there's a book out called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And there's a book out called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Christians. Uh, what we're talking about are the seven habits of highly effective Christian congregations. Now, here's the thing. Because habits, habits are those things that you do regularly, you do consistently, and they're not a task. Most habits aren't like arduous, painful things. Like cleaning your room is not a habit if you're not like into cleaning your room. But for those people who love to clean and you're like neat freaks, it's a habit. You walk into a room, you start streaming pictures and picking up stuff, and that's just the way you are. And once it's a habit, it's hard to break. Like, you, you kind of feel a little bit weird. Like, wait, I didn't do that today because you're so used to doing it. And the reason we want it to be effective, uh, most people think, well, what about being successful? Success, when you think of success, most people think of money. Or they think, I'm done. I've, I've reached that point. But we want to be effective, meaning we just want to make more progress in doing whatever God has called us to do, whatever God has equipped us to do. And the reason why it's for not just Christians, but Christian congregations is because none of us are supposed to be doing life by ourselves. God's design for the church is that it be made up of a plurality of people doing life together. So if we individually... Start doing, if you even grab just one or two of these habits and implement it in your life, and then at some later time say, I'm going to grab another one and implement it into my life, you'll find that not only does your life get better in relationship with God as a Christ follower, but your life within the context of the body of Christ, the church, will seem totally different and totally renewed. All right? So here's, here's uh, let me ask this question. Um, if you had to guess, Again, none of this is groundbreaking. All of this you've probably heard a hundred times. If you had to guess, what are the top two habits that you think that we're going to talk about? What would you guess? Just throw one out. Sin. Did someone say smoking? Okay, no. <laughs> we're not that kind of church. <laughs> but there are ones that are like that. But uh, what did you say? Someone said? Pray. 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 And what else? Read the Bible. Think and think. That's it. Top two things. And again, not groundbreaking, right? Not something that, oh, I've never heard that before. That's unique to me. But it's, it's really simple. Now, here's the thing. Uh, when it comes to um, reading the Bible, you would be surprised how many people actually do not read the Bible. And, and I'm not saying how many people that are not Christians. Of Christians. And if you take of all the Christians on the planet, Let's just focus on the United States. All the Christians in the United States, and you take about half, okay? That would be a good number of people that read the Bible outside of Sunday morning. That's half, right? Now, if you take that half, and you cut that in half, and then cut it in half again, 
and then take a handful of those, that would represent the number of people that actively, regularly, habitually read their Bible. That's not saying that the other people don't. They may read it Sundays. They may read it, you know, as part of a Bible study. They may read it every now and then. But as a habit, a regular daily habit, not too many Christians actually read their Bible. Now, here's, here's what the um, Bible says about it. Open your Bible to the book of 2 Timothy. And this is Paul, and he's talking to Timothy, and he's encouraging Timothy as, hey, Timothy, you're going to be a leader. You're going to be leading other people. You're going to be a pastor. You're going to be ministering to other people. Here is what you need to know and to do in order to be effective at being a leader and reaching out to others and ministering to others. Now, 2 Timothy is towards the back, um, back of your Bible. It's the second letter uh, that Paul wrote to Timothy. And in chapter 3, this is what he writes. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. And for those of you who are unsure or unclear, according to the Bible, we're in the last days. We have been since the day of Pentecost and Acts. Peter got up on the day of Pentecost, and they said, hey, all you guys are speaking in tongues and doing all those weird things. And he says, this is what was prophesied would occur in the last days. He said, this is happening now because... We're in the last days. We're still in the last days. It hasn't changed, okay? He says, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be, now, I want you to, to, to pay attention to this. People will be lovers of themselves. Do we have that today? Check. Yeah. Uh, lovers of money? Check. Boastful? Check. Proud? Check. Abusive? Check. Disobedient to their parents? Check, check, check. Ungrateful? Check. Unholy? Check. Without love? Check. Unforgiving, check. Slanders, check. All of these without self-control, wound, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying of power. So he said all of these things are going to, and this is pretty much our culture today, this is normal. You walk into Walmart, you walk into a bank, you walk into a restaurant, you walk into a school, you're going to find a mix of this, if not all of this, pretty much present in every culture that you walk into in America. And then he says this, have nothing to do with them. Those people that are like that, just leave them. He doesn't say talk bad about them, gossip about them, go after them. He says just have nothing to do with them because that's not what God wants for you. Now drop down to verse 10 because in, in, in the verses after that, he starts talking about those people. But in verse 10, he addresses Timothy and says, you, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. He says, you know everything that I went through, all that happened to me, and this is important, he says, but the Lord, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. And in verse 12, really key, he says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life and Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Every person who's trying to say, well, what habits can I put into my life so that I can serve God better? I can do better with God. I can, I can be closer to God. Every single person is going to be persecuted. It doesn't matter what religion you call yourself, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Methodist, doesn't matter. doesn't matter if you're black or white or Mexican or Asian. doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, Republican or Democrat. If you are trying to live your life for God, 
you're going to endure persecution. Why? Because everyone else is living their life like all the things we just read, and those two things are in contrast. But, that's very encouraging, right? No, it gets better. But, here's what he says, and I'm going to put the rest of this on the screen. In verse 14, he says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from who you learned it. Now, he says, as for you. He's talking specifically Timothy and about Timothy's history and Timothy's background, but there are things and principles from that that we can take and apply to our life. And here's what he tells them. He says, um, and know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now it's not that he was a genius and at the age of two was sitting up in his crib, you know, and, and, and reading through the Bible, and then like, up, oh, poop, peep, and then back to change the page reading the Bible. That's not what he was doing. But from infancy, he lived in a household where his mother and his grandmother shared scripture with him. He had people in his home who knew the scriptures and shared it with him, even as a child. And there was a time in this nation, and I'm sorry to go all the way back to this, there was a time in this nation, uh, and I know you guys probably remember, because it predates all of us, when the only school book that people had was the Bible. And there were people who said, well, you can't force religion on people when they took it out. But when they used that as the Bible, by the time people reached the fourth grade, they were better educated than our high school kids today. I mean, just better educated. They had a better understanding of geography. They had a better understanding of history. They had a better under, like, reading and understanding. Um, and he says, from infancy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And now, the Scripture is the word grandma. It's a Greek word grandma, where we get our English word grammar, because it's the very literal holy, meaning separated, words and writings from God. And he says, you knew those. You've known those, and he said, those which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. He's telling him, hey, the word of God gives you wisdom. Now, it's not just it gives you knowledge, because a lot of people can have knowledge, but wisdom is being able to apply that knowledge in your everyday life, in your home, in your school, in your family situation. And then this is what he says. He says, all scripture, verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, he says, all scripture is God-breathed, and all scripture is useful for teaching, and all scripture is useful for rebuking, all scripture is useful for correcting, all scripture is useful for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped. God uses scripture to equip his people to do what he's called them to do. Now, here's the thing. If we feel like, hey, well, not really being effective as a Christ follower, we're not really being effective in, in doing whatever God's called me to do, or we're not being effective as a congregation, it could be because we're not being effective at knowing and reading the Word of God. I mean, how many, how many people have, have had a job where they had to train you on what to do? You have to take a training course or orientation. When they put you in that job, they don't want you to fail. A good employer wants to give you every resource and every tool so that you can do your job. Because if you do your job better, it makes their job easier. A good supervisor or a good manager, their role is to make sure that you have everything that you need to be successful at your job. 
because then their job is easier. If I'm a manager and you guys work for me, if I give you everything you need to do your job, then that's less problems I have from you in doing your job. I can focus on other things. God is the same way. God wants you to be successful at doing what he's called us to do. And so he wants to equip us and he wants to train us. And the problem is most Christ followers, we're not familiar with the training manual. We don't understand what's in his word. We're not used to reading his word. Now, I've said this before, too, that there are uh, so many, so many ways that people can read God's word without just sitting here and opening this thick, huge book, right? Uh, now, the best way for me, just my opinion, the best way to read the word of God and you're familiar with reading God's word is to open and read God's word. Problem is, when I first started reading God's word, it didn't make any sense. Especially if you start the King James. It's like a whole other language. And they don't teach it to you in school. There's French, there's Spanish, there's no King Jamish. So you're like, what in the ham sandwich is this supposed to mean? But there are so many other versions that you can walk your way up through. There's the New Living Testament. There's the message version, which I, I put up on screen a lot because it's just plain English. There are, uh, uh, I can't remember the name of them, um, uh, paraphrases. Which are basically, it's not like a word-for-word translation, but it's a paraphrase which breaks it down. Into, there are graphic novel Bibles for those of us who are more comic book cartoon-minded. And there is a Bible for every, there are women's study Bibles. Uh, there are, for those people who are like, well, I need to know more of the history behind this and this stuff. There are uh, intense study Bibles, historical study Bibles, archaeological study Bibles, which tells you the history of where this was found, and uh, all this kind of stuff. Any kind of Bible that you need that's going to make it easier for you to read, you can find one. But the thing is, find one. We've got to go find one. And I'm not a big fan of, of just sitting down and, and reading the Bible, so there are lots of other ways. Uh, there are people who read, anybody read the, the Daily Bread? Yeah, there's the daily bread. There are lots of other devotionals where they take either verses or passages and then they just expound on it and how it can help you today and how you can live it out and, and all kind of things. There's all kind of uh, women's devotionals, men's devotionals, youth devotionals. Um, there are no comic book devotionals, so maybe I'll add that to my to-do list because you know there's a lot of geeks that probably want to know if God exists and their world would be better if they did. But there's all kind of devotionals. And then for those people who are just like, you know what? I like listening to the Bible. Um, there's um, Bible on CD that you can put in your car and listen to. Anyone have like a, a, a long commute over 20 minutes? Okay, if you're going like even 10 miles, I could say 20 minutes, but depending on traffic. But uh, you can pop in a CD. Uh, if you don't, you know, if you've got a smartphone, you can you can stream it to your smartphone or our podcast. Or for those of you that still like tapes, you can go over to like 1989 and get the Bible on tape. It's the only place I think you can find it. But there are so many different ways that you can get it. And sometimes if you're listening to someone actually just read the Bible, I know it sounds weird, but you're going to hear things like, hey, I've never read that before. Because when someone is talking to you, you may catch things that you don't notice when you're reading it for yourself. And between, between, even if you just listen to, you know, if you've got a 25-minute commute or whatever, you're just listening to, you know, the, the Bible or just listening to the New Testament or just listening to the Psalms. Psalms can be kind of dreamy, so they may like put you in a sleepy mode, so maybe do that on the way home instead of early in the morning when you're tired. But if 
you're just listening to the Bible, or you can get podcasts and listen to different pastors um, who will, who, you know, just like we do on Sunday morning, will share things about the Bible. And I'm okay if you don't listen to our podcast, if you're not listening to me. I don't listen to me. I listen to other people preach about the Bible. A host of other people, because I want to hear a lot of different perspectives, things that I didn't know. A lot of stuff that I learned, I learned from reaching, from listening to other people preach about the Bible. And maybe say, I've never heard that before, so I had to go look it up for myself. And, and, and it, you'll learn from hearing a host of other different people preaching about the Bible. And there's also, for those of you who are like, well, you know, I'm more of a there's Bible apps where you load the app on your phone, it's going to shoot you a verse every single day. If all you do is read that one verse every single day, and think about how does that verse apply to me, or what does that mean? And just one verse a day is more than what most Christians are doing all week long. One verse. It's not going to read you the whole book. It's not going to read you. It's just going to shoot you one verse a day, either by email or by text or however you prefer to get it. And there's so many different ways to read the Bible that there really is no excuse by people who say we're Christ followers, we want to serve God, we want to be equipped for whatever he's calling us to do, and he equips us through his word, but yet we're not reading. Now here's what I'm going to ask you to do, all right, because uh, I'm going to ask us to make a commitment, commitment, state of quality of being dedicated to a cause, activity, etc. I'm going to ask us to make a commitment. All right? Now, you said this is a habit. A habit is a subtle, a regular tendency or practice, especially one that's hard to give up. We said we want to create. These are the seven habits of highly effective Christian congregations. It takes, so they say, 21 days to form a habit. So over the next 21 days, starting today, I'm going to ask... Everyone to find, whether it be, I'm going to start reading uh, the Bible, I'm going to start uh, the Daily Bread, I'm going to, I'm going to go get the CDs or, or start listening to podcasts every day, or I'm going to get a free Bible app. I'm going to ask all of us to make a commitment. Now, here's the commitment part. So if I say, I'm going to ask all of us to make a commitment and move on, some of us will say yes, some of us will say no. I'm going to ask us to physically make a commitment uh, by raising your hand. So how many people, and, and we're all different, so how many people are like, you know what? I am going to start reading the Bible. Even if you find a book that you've never read in the Bible, find a version of the Bible that, that you like, that, that's great for you. Um, um, just how many people are saying, you know what? I'm going to try and read the Bible every single day. If it's a chapter, if it's a verse, if it's a book, how many people are into the reading? Awesome. Great, great. How many people... Maybe reading's not their thing. You know what? I'm going to just read a devotional every single day. I'm going to give you a more devotional one. Okay, great. How many people are more audio-minded? Now, if you haven't already raised your hand, hopefully I'll get you. If you have, don't feel like you got to, you know, do all three. But how many people are going to try and listen to podcasts or listen to the Bible on CD? Okay, a couple of people are interested in that. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to commit, parents, I cannot put this on your children's phone. But I'm going to ask you, parents, to on your children's phone, um, to put the Bible app that shoots them a verse a day. Because most of your children aren't going to commit to reading the Bible every day. They might have raised their hand, and I'm not saying they're lying. 
I'm just saying they're not going to do it. But they're not going to commit to listening to the Bible on CD. They're not going to, you know, stream a podcast. But most of them, if you put the app on their phone, they will at least read that one verse that the app shoots them. They'll get a notification. They'll think it's somebody sending them a Snapchat. They're like, oh, what's that? That Bible verse, and then they'll move on. So once a day, they will get at least one verse. So I'm going to ask you parents to please commit to putting that app, and now I have to revise that because some of you parents don't know how to put that app on. I'm going to ask some of you kids to allow your parents to remind you, and then you go and put the app on. Are we, are we all on the same sheet? Okay, good, good, good. Now, here's the second habit. Pray regularly. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, um, but I don't think we fully understand the power of prayer. I don't think we fully grasp what prayer is meant to be um, in the life of a Christian. Because if we did, if we fully knew what prayer was meant to be, we would not stop praying. If we fully understood how that interacts us with God, how that connects us with God, and how that enriches our life. Now, now here's what it says. Uh, turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6. This is a passage of scripture many people, many of you guys are familiar with. Uh, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. Uh, but uh, what happens is a lot of people focus on one part, and they skip the other part, and they don't put it all together. So in Ephesians chapter 6, drop down to verse 10. And many of, your, many of your Bibles have a passage that says the armor of God. This is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. This is his final, like, annotation to them. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, that word schemes is the Greek word methodia. And it's where we get our English word methods. Because the devil has certain methods that he will use to try to distract us from whatever God has called us to do. Now, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now, here's one of the problems, right? Because if we understood what this meant in God's word, then we wouldn't waste time fighting other Christians. We wouldn't waste time fighting Republicans or Democrats. We wouldn't waste time fighting other people because we would know it's a spiritual warfare. That's where the church should focus most of its energy. Because if we can understand that it's a spiritual warfare going on, right? Uh, what we want to change in America takes a change of heart. The evil that we're seeing, the things that we see going on, it takes a change of heart. No law is going to change it. No person is going to change it. It takes a change of heart. And God is the only one who changes hearts. But then he says... Therefore, because of this, because we know there's a spiritual battle and that we're fighting against the uh, spiritual forces of evil, he says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he says in verse 18, do that. Do, do all of that, but 
and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kind of prayers and requests. In other words, do all that. You know, be, be truth, put on the helmet of salvation, get your sword out, which is the word of God, do all that. But that is not the end. We have to do all that and pray. Now, um, just show you, I, I, I love the Amplified Version, because here's, here's what the Amplified Version says. Verse 18, it says, pray at all times on every occasion, in every season. That means, you know, when, hey, I got the new job, I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God about it. The new baby, new addition to the family is coming in. I'm going to pray. I'm going to talk to God about it. The new puppy came in. I'm going to pray. I pray a lot more now than I did before. I'm going to talk to God about it. The new job, everything. With every occasion pray, but in every season pray. That means when things are great, things are going good. I'm going to pray when things are going bad. I'm going to pray. And he says, pray in the spirit with all manner of prayer and hatred. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints. God's consecrated people. So not only are we supposed to pray in every occasion and in every season, we're supposed to pray for all the other Christians. Now here's, this, this is a little, may sound weird to you, but my opinion, my, my understanding of this, there's not supposed to be a need for a prayer chain where I call Andrew, Andrew calls Chuck, Chuck calls John, John tells Diana, Diana tells Karen. It's not, I mean, that's great, but it doesn't do any bit of good unless every single person is on it, because we're all supposed to be praying for one another. If there's just six people on it that say we're going to be the prayers of the church, then we're missing the point of what God's Word says. We're supposed to pray everyone on behalf of all the saints. We're all supposed to be praying for one another. Now, this is what it says in the message version. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Now, the reason it says that is because this part about prayer, Paul adds on to his discussion about spiritual warfare. Prayer is an essential part of that. He says, pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. We're all supposed to, we're not supposed to leave anyone out. We're supposed to, all of us pray for every single, when we put something in our, in our, in our church group and says, hey, um, so-and-so needs prayer. Pray for this person. Pray for that person. Even if you're not one of the people that is able to go, oh, let me respond and I'm praying. If all you do is stop and say, you know what, I, I just pray, uh, pray for, you know, Pat, pray for Sally, pray for whoever. If all you do is take a moment in prayer and you don't respond, we're all supposed to pray for each and every one, every single time. That's what God expects from us. That's what God wants from us. And that's what the church is supposed to be doing. Right? Now, this, this, this is why I say, because prayer is an essential part of the Christian like life, organization, and structure. The church cannot exist without prayer. Now let me ask you this. Make this weird analogy. Um, how many people since we've been in here had to think, I gotta make sure I take a breath? Did anyone have to stop and remember to breathe? Can anyone remember exactly how many breaths they took since I started? I know I've been talking a long time, so you're like, no, yeah, no clue. No one had to stop and think about breathing, did they? As a matter of fact, you have to stop and force yourself to stop breathing. 
And if you hold your breath, your body will try everything it can to make you breathe because it can't exist without it. And breathing is, is, is what keeping you alive. In the same way, prayer is supposed to be that crucial to the church. The church cannot exist without prayer. It is us passing back and forth, our communication back and forth with God through his spirit. And if we don't do that, then we're not being the church. We're just a bunch of people gathered around who believe some supernatural things, but we're not interacting with the God who created the church. And without that, we're useless. We're losing the spiritual warfare, and we're not being effective. Now, to that end, let me say this. Prayer is an interaction. And this is where a lot of people get it wrong, too, because I've, I've seen things like posted online where people say, you know, if, if God exists, how come, you know, when someone prays, everyone isn't healed? Or when someone prays, this doesn't happen. Or when someone prays, that doesn't happen. Prayer is not a giving list. Prayer is an interaction where we make a request, and when you make a request from someone, you hear back, you receive. It's a two-way interaction, or when you mediate, when you make an expression of thanks, whether it be individually or corporately. Prayer is about interacting with God. And so to that end, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that over the next 21 days, and not everyone does this, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and say how many people have been praying regularly or don't pray regularly. I'm going to ask us to do this. I'm going to ask us to pray for three things. First and foremost, to pray for our community. I'm going to ask us to pray for our congregation. And I'm going to ask us to pray for our nation. And I'm going to ask, some of you might be different-minded. Some of you might be like, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm really hearing a lot about the election and all that stuff. So yeah, I think I'm going to take on that burden for the next 21 days. Every single day, I'm going to pray for our nation because we need it. Some of you might be more involved because you got kids in school and this, that, and the other. So you're more like, hey, you know what, over the next 21 days, every single day, I'm going to take, even if it's just a minute or two, or like it says in the Version, pray long and hard. I'm going to take 20 minutes and I'm going to just intercede and pray, you know, for our community. And some of you, hopefully, will say, you know what? I want to pray for our congregation. And the idea is not to pray that we get more people into this building. The idea is to pray that the people that are in this building are more effective at reaching the people outside of this building. So let me ask this. How many of you are willing to spend the next 21 days? If you skip a day, um, now, let me share this, because I've been taking these multivitamins um, for older people. I won't tell you how old. But, and I obviously need them, because I keep forgetting to take it. So when I forget, I usually get a little bit irritated or whatever, but there's not a whole lot I can do. So the next day, I just make a commitment, all right, I'm not going to forget today. And then I'll go a couple of days of taking them daily, and I'm good. And then I'll go look, and I'm like, oh, I forgot to take one yesterday. But the thing is, when you forget, if you miss a day, just get up the next day and keep on going. So how many people are willing to commit 21 days, starting the day, to spend some time in prayer on behalf of our nation? And you don't have to post anything online. You don't have to whatever. I'm not big into politics, so that wouldn't inspire me. I mean, I do pray for our nation, not daily, because it's just, it's not big for me. 
but for some of you that are into the community, you've got kids in school, you know people that own businesses in the community, how many people are willing to spend 21 days praying daily and regularly on behalf of our community? Okay, a couple of people. Now, um, the last one is praying for our congregation. And you don't have to exclude yourself and say, I'm only going to pray for our nation, but I'm not going to pray for our congregation. Uh, but I, I, I pray, I, I pray regularly and daily for our congregations. A lot of you I pray for by name. Uh, not that, you know, you got best to fill on, but it's just as God brings it to mind. And I, I pray that we are effective at doing what God has called us to do. And I'm going to ask everyone, I'm going to ask everyone, even if you're, you already are praying for one of the other things, I'm going to ask everyone to pray for 21 days for our congregation. And if you're like, well, I don't know what to pray, pray that we're effective at doing what God has called us to do. How many people can commit to that? 21 days. Great. Now, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. We're going to start today. And I know, uh, if you notice, Paul said, um, pray with all kind of prayer. And for some of us, prayer uh, is like, hey, I'm going to sit quietly, and I don't say anything, and I pray in my head, and God hears me, and, and all that stuff. For some of us, prayer is more vocal. We want to talk out loud and, 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 and all that kind of thing. For some of us, prayer is, is, is you know, we got to have multiple people around. For some of us, we go into a secluded spot where no one can see us. But what I'm going to ask us to do now is to pray for one another. Because just like we read in God's Word, we're supposed to intercede for one another. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. Because uh, at the beginning, we started by talking about a lot of people going through a lot of life changes. So uh, we're going to ask this. We're going to start with uh, the families that have new additions coming in. Uh, like Gary and Karen have new grandbabies on the way. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for Michael and Rachel. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And we're going to spend some time praying for you. And we're going to pray for all these other things. But here's what I'm going to do. Because normally on Sunday morning, when it says everyone pray, it's usually me praying. Right? So I'm going to ask someone else to pray for Gary and Karen as they prepare. It's really for Rachel and Michael as well uh, to welcome a new baby later this year. Can somebody pray for them? Kevin, just, just stand up. I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads. You guys, you guys can be seated. Now, here's what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to ask uh, for those who have, uh, well, I know, Valerie, John, and Diana, can you guys stand because you have children. We're going to be going through transitions, some getting married, some going off to school. Um, so I'm going to ask someone to pray for you guys and for your families. Can somebody pray for their families as they get ready to send their children off into the next step in their life. Anybody? Anybody? Gary, can you stand up and pray? Now I'm going to ask all of you guys to stand uh, because I want to give you a, a quick update. You guys can stand uh, before we close this on uh, Ed and Helen. And, uh, Chrissy and I have been out of town. So I've got some emails from um, their daughter, Lisa. And uh, some updates, as you, some of you guys that are online saw from Brandon, that um, they are now, I keep wanting to say the Poconos, that's not it. What's it called? The Palms. Uh, Ed and Helen are, are in the Palms, um, which is a nursing home. Uh, but Ed had a heart attack earlier this week, so he's at McKeesport Hospital. Uh, so I just want to ask you guys to um, 
Just join me in praying for them. And some of us, we have other family members that are dealing with, with medical issues and, and all that kind of stuff. And there are some of us, we know people that have had to either take on increased responsibilities to care for family members who are going through medical issues. And that's going to be a huge thing and a huge uh, adaptation for some people in their role in 2016. So I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads and, and pray with me for that. God, we lift up Ed and Helen to you. And we just... We just pray that your hand would be upon them, Lord. Your hand would be upon their family. And uh, we know it's difficult when you have a family member or a loved one who is going through a new medical process where they need healing or they need help or they need care that you feel like you're unable to give. But we know that there is a God who loves us, who is able to heal us, who is able to provide for us. Uh, we pray that you would give peace to Ed and Helen and uh, to Ed as he's recovering from his heart attack, to Helen as she begins prayerfully the process of uh, just recovering from her surgery. And God, we just pray that your hand would be upon them. We pray that uh, whether it be through calls or through visits, that we're able to show them the love of Christ and that we consistently, regularly, and continually, as your word says, pray for them and pray for one another. Just like we read, so that no one feels left out or left behind. God, we know that this aspect of prayer is one that has, uh, although it should unite the body of Christ, it's one that has divided the body of Christ across congregations and, and, and around the globe. But we know that prayer is talking to you and hearing from you and expecting that you hear our prayers. And it may be difficult to grasp for some people because it feels like we're, we're talking to someone that we can't see. But your word says that we are constantly always in your presence, that you're always here, that you'll never leave us, never forsake us, and that you put your Holy Spirit inside of us so that we could know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are with us. And now as we prepare to leave this place, as we lift up our voices in song, God, we pray that you would hear our hearts worship to you. We pray this in Jesus' name.